Well, good morning, friends. And thank you so much for the warm, warm welcome. My name is Jesse Caulfield. I'm served with Voice of the Martyrs Australia. I'm honoured and privileged to be here today. It's my absolute privilege to be with you. Uh, I come from Brisbane. Don't hold that against me. I'm not always a Brisbane boy. Uh, married in Brisbane, I have a wife, Lisa. Uh, she's a physiotherapist, so if you ever get the zipper done at hospital, she's one of those lovely people who comes and tells you six hours later, get out of bed, it's time to start walking. I have a child, my son, Lucas is eight, my daughter is six. My son is an avid reader. I've met some very avid readers amongst your young people this morning and I've been encouraged by that. My son loves to read the RACQ magazine, we'll drive up the highway and I'll hear this voice from the back seat. This is a safe road, Dad. Dual carriageway. 100 speed. This is when he was six. And I'm like, son, what are we going to do with you? What's in a name? I don't know if, if I'm going to have technology on my side this morning, but I'm here as the voice of the martyrs. And so you hear that name, the voice of the martyrs, and you might say, well, what's, what's that all about? You're not going to hear the stories of Christians faithfully witnessing in communist countries on mainstream media. You're going to hear it today. And when you look at that word martyrs, you immediately have this thought in your mind. You have this idea around someone who's probably died for their faith, something along those lines. But if you actually come back to the New Testament data, and we look at the koine that the New Testament comes to us in, the verb martyreo, its cognates, occurs 65 times. 65 times. John the Baptist, he comes and he bears witness, he martyreos, to Jesus. He says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. On the same scale, we have Peter on the night of Jesus' arrest, the night of his trial. Three times, you all notice stuff, Peter says what? I do not know this man. He fails to martyreo, he denies Christ. He hey martyreos. Jesus resurrected, start of the book of Acts, Acts 1 8, we read about the spirit filled witness. You'll receive power, dunamis, power, to be my martyreo, to be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem, then to Judea, then to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the program of Christian faithful witness, spirit empowered witness throughout the book of Acts and the whole New Testament. So today I'm here to talk about the ongoing, faithful, spirit-empowered witness of God's people around the world. That's what I want you to see when you see that name. Yes, there is opposition. Yes, there is persecution. We understand that. But we serve a risen saviour, friends. We serve a risen saviour who has overcome sin and even death and given the keys to the kingdom of God to us. So I want you to hold that in your hand today. And as we hear these stories and as we understand what is happening around the world, I pray that you will hear this in the context of the ongoing faithful witness of God's church, a church that is prevailing. Yes, despite, or perhaps in spite of the persecution and opposition to the gospel. So I'm going to ask my friends at the back if we can, hopefully have a video that tells a little about our history and our story. Thank you. Jesus Christ didn't avoid the suffering. He didn't avoid the persecution. Though he ushered in the very kingdom of God, 
he was persecuted and executed for it. In this world we will face tribulation, but you promise you'll be right here with us. And he said to his followers, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And to this day, all over the world, they still do. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. If our God is for us, we are not alone. But Jesus promised more, that those who suffer for his name's sake would not be forgotten, not by God and not by the family of God. The Voice of the Martyrs was founded by a persecuted Christian as well. Richard Wormbrand reached out for Christ to the Nazis in the early 1940s when they came into his native Romania. He felt a calling to reach out to atheists for Christ. He prayed for opportunities to share Christ with the Russians as well. And when the Soviet communists entered into Romania in 1944, they came right to his doorstep. Richard boldly witnessed to them as well. And just as Jesus promised, they hated him for it. He was arrested and sent to prison for a total of 14 years, often in solitary confinement, often tortured. Through it all, he held on to his love for God and committed to witness for Christ in word and deed, even to his torturers. In 1967, Richard, now free from jail and out of Romania, founded an organization committed to sharing the stories of others who, like him, were being jailed, persecuted, tortured, or killed for their faith. He often quoted Hebrews 13.3, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. That organization today is operating in 68 countries around the world, in regions that are dangerous, in countries that are restricted, reaching out through persecution response, through Bible distribution, and through frontline ministry. That organization is committed to stand with their persecuted family by saying, we will not let them suffer in silence. We will not let them serve alone. From the love of Jesus, if our God is for us, we are not alone. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. If our God is for us, we are not alone. That organization, Voice of the Martyrs, we will share their stories with the world. We will mobilize the body of Christ to stand together with brothers and sisters who face persecution wherever it happens. We will serve persecuted Christians through practical and spiritual assistance. And we will carry on the mission of the one who called us, Jesus Christ, who said the kingdom of God is at hand. So this morning you'll see there will be a table out the back, and I do this up front so that I remember. Uh, I think it's on the next slide. We have magazines, we have other literature, stories, 
both our historical story, Richard Wormbrand's story, Tortured for Christ. If you've never read that today, please grab a copy. Uh, I say to everyone this, the books, the DVDs, the magazine, it's all free. Okay, I'm not here, I'm not a travelling book salesman. It's all free, but it's not cheap. Because as you engage with this material and understand what is happening, it will challenge your faith. I believe it will encourage you and empower you in your witnessing. But it will also mean that you will then enter into a place of understanding. And our hope is that you will pray intelligently with us for our brothers and sisters in the ongoing mission of God around the world. So please come this morning, see me out the back, uh, and grab a magazine or a copy of Tortured for Christ. Uh, most of the young people have already got it all sussed out. So if you don't know, just one of the kids will come and tell you, I'm pretty sure anyway. If you look at our next slide, you'll see um, this morning I'm going to talk a little bit about persecution. I just want to talk about it from a couple of ways of thinking about it. When I talk about persecution, there's a couple of ways I want to frame this. As we gather here this morning, when we come here this morning, assemble as God's people, I don't think anyone here this morning was standing at the front door just checking off that everyone who comes in was a known person. As far as I'm aware, I know that we're online this morning as well, but we were not really worried about secret police infiltrating our meeting, we're not really worried about the fact that we might be under surveillance when we come to and from church or leave. In nearly 68 countries around the world, there are restrictions on Christians for gathering to worship God. And, and I'm pretty sure here everyone has a Bible. Does anyone not have a Bible? If so, please come and see me. <laughs> Whether it be a Bible or a Bible app on your phone. Um, in nearly 52 countries around the world, the Bible is a restricted item. Now, it's okay... We're very good at getting Bibles into those places, as if you could chain God's word. But when we think about persecution, generally we're talking about something that we probably don't have a lot of experience of here in Rockhampton, Australia, in the sense of what some of our brothers and sisters experience around the world today. We can think of it also as, as a trajectory, perhaps. And some of these things might be things that we are somewhat familiar with in terms of ridicule or harassment. Why would you want to be a Christian? Why would you go to church? Why would you believe that? Uh, some of my, my school friends who are uh, very strongly atheistic think I'm strange at best. But we talk all overt persecution beyond that, discrimination. We can talk about the fact that Christians in some countries do not have access to education, do not have access to healthcare, do not even have access to food uh, unless they participate in the ideology or worldview of those around them. We can talk about the more overt mob violence that you might see in somewhere like northern India where uh, the Hindu nationalists under the BJP party turn up, arrest the local pastor, burn down the church trying to, to suppress Christian faith and practice. And we can talk about imprisonment. Richard Wormbrand was the story you just saw, 14 years in a communist prison, tortured, uh, and even those have been martyred for their faith. So we talk about persecution, I'm talking about it in terms of a scale. Um, some of these things are things that will be alien to us, things that we don't experience or understand. But these are things that can happen as part of that trajectory, as part of that scale. So where is this happening around the world? And if you look at the next slide, you'll see, uh, basically, you'd probably be familiar with the missions window, the 1040 windows, it often uh, is called. Um, we're looking at countries that have an ideology, a worldview that is opposed to Christian faith and practice. And, and we've already talked about communism, communist China today, trying to spread its tentacles around the world and suppress the knowledge of God. We can talk about uh, the Hindu, as I just said, in India. Uh, again, another worldview that is opposed to Christian faith and practice. 
We can talk about the spread of Islam as well, uh, particularly there, and as you can see, across northern Africa and the Middle East. Uh, we can see uh, even down in Indonesia as well, north of Australia, where you have uh, the most populous Muslim nation on the planet, uh, where Christians can be persecuted for their faith. So we're talking about these are countries where Voice of the Martyrs is supporting the church. We're talking about empowering frontline workers, indigenous church pastors in these contexts to support them in their ongoing faith, witness, in their evangelism, in their discipleship. Uh, if we go to the next slide, you're going to see in terms of what is happening and you break this down. These are numbers that are quoted by the World Wide Watch List. Uh, and I guess they just point out one simple thing, that the Christian population around the world is, is fairly significant. Um, there, there are some very wildly different variations around estimates. But what we do know, and these are documented cases uh, in 2020 and 2021, of Christians who've been uh, attacked. And a lot of this is happening, I think it's actually on the next slide if you, if you want to jump forward. Uh, a lot of this is happening now in the top of Africa. So we've seen what was happening with the Middle East, uh, with the US occupation there. Uh, a lot of the radical elements have come down in the northern Africa. So we've got a real fault line now around Nigeria, Uganda, Sudan, across Africa, where Christians are being targeted by the likes of Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, um, even the Fulani group, with a, a very militant uh, worldview, and now uh, attacking Christians in places like Nigeria. And so we've seen this as an increase recently. And I think it's because of what's been happening geopolitically in the Middle East. Uh, but I would also say we've seen the church grow radically as well. Uh, that this is probably tells one side of that story, that, that one side of that coin is, is that we're seeing this as an opposition to the ongoing witness of God's people. Uh, and of course, as that continues to happen, we, we're seeing, therefore, the response of a defeated foe. So in terms then of, of how we operate, and if, you, if we jump through to our next slide, we, we, we need to think about well, what is the basis for what we do. Now, I served uh, here in Queensland for nearly 15 years in the prison ministry. Uh, my wife would often quip that, where's Jesse this Sunday? Oh, he's in jail again. Uh, it's okay, they let him out at four o'clock, uh, if, if he's been good. And, and so as someone who is familiar with serving in the prisons in Queensland, I thought I knew quite a lot about what it was for people who are isolated or suffering and so on and so forth. Uh, and this verse to me was very special from Hebrews chapter 13 verse 3. As you saw, this is something that Richard Wormbrand would often quote. But when we look at this verse, I want us to take a step back. And I want us to understand that when we are remembering the prisoners, what we are doing is we want to come into a place of empathy. So this word remember, gnosko, it, it actually comes to us in the middle voice. And, and what that means, it's a reflexive action that I personally have to be involved with. So I want to put in square brackets, like the amplified version, to actively remember. Now, we just participated in the Lord's Supper. We actively remembered Jesus' death and resurrection for us. We didn't just sit there and be passive, but we actually took the bread, took the juice, and participated. We did something. And so if we're going to actively remember those who are in prison, those who are suffering for their faith, that requires us to do something. As I indicated, I've got two kids. I've been married for 13 years. I need to be very careful about how I say this. As a husband and a father, there are things I have to actively remember. Dates on a calendar, I've come to understand, are very important. They're not really that important to me, but to someone else, they are very important. And if you forget them once, generally you won't forget them a second time. Um, so you have to actively remember certain things like wedding anniversaries and birthdays. 
doesn't have to be a big thing. Flowers, chocolates, whatever it might be. But so I think we have to actively remember, and that means we have to participate in the life of those who are in prison for their faith. Those who are suffering, not just because they've been criminals, and, and prisons are built in these places out of sight, out of mind. I understand that. I mean, I think that's probably partially why we are told to actively remember. But as if we were chained with them. Now, I've never been to chained to anyone before or anything. I could say I've been bound in the bonds of love and marriage. But if I was chained to Pastor David, if I spent a day chained to him, you could say by the end of the day two things. My, my wandering hands. I, I, if I was chained to Pastor David for a day, I'd be intimately aware of his life. I would know what he'd eat. I'd know where he lives. I would know what he experiences. I would be knowing how he feels because everything that he would go through, I would go through. Now, if I was chained to a believer in a communist prison, I would be intimately aware of their experience. I would be intimately aware of what is happening in that environment. And I think this verse is a call for us to have a deep, intimate relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world because we are part of the one family of God. That's what the rest of this verse says. That we are called to walk with them, to stand with them, to be with them as if we ourselves were there with them. And the way that happens, the way that we can have that empathy with people in those situations, with our brothers and sisters in those situations, the simplest thing I can ask you to do is to engage with their stories and to understand and read. Why? So that we can intelligently pray. So we can intelligently pray into those situations. So that we can stand with our brothers and sisters and say, we are aware, God, of what is happening in these contexts and we're going to call upon the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus in these places. So as members of the one body, I implore you, that we can actively remember today those who are suffering, those who are chained, those who are mistreated from a point of view of someone who is intimately aware. Richard Wormbrand said this when he was in prison. He said, they would beat me on my feet. They literally would beat him on his feet to try and get him to confess the names of other Christians. He said, they would beat me on my feet, but my tongue would cry out. Why would my tongue cry out? It was not beaten. It was cry out because it's members of the one body. Christians in the free world are members of the same body that is being denied freedoms around the world. Will you hear our cry? Don't forget us. Remember us. Don't abandon us. So today I want to encourage you, as part of Voice of the Martyrs' ongoing mission, to stand with the persecuted church in prayer, to actively remember them. And the best way that we can do it is to engage with their stories, to hear them, and then to share them, and to pray and pray and pray into that space. So this morning I want to share um, some time with you around some of the stories around what is happening around the world today. Uh, and, and this is to help us understand what is happening and this is also to help us have empathy and indeed to see how God is good and that his kingdom is continuing to advance. Uh, so if I bring up my next slide, um, these are some of the things that we are doing around the world. Uh, as you've already heard, Bibles... Uh, and literature is probably highway number one for us. We support frontline ministry workers. Uh, we support the families of those who have been imprisoned and those who have been martyred. We support those who have been discriminated against in terms of providing medical support. And we also have a ministry fund that is a, a general fund. 
Um, but all of these get worked out in many, many and various ways. Uh, so this morning, I, I want to share a few of the stories uh, around persecuted Christians. Uh, and to do so, I'm going to um, share a little bit from here. I'm going to share a little bit from here. Uh, and generally, in every church I go to, someone generally stands up and shares their testimony. So that may happen, <laughs> happen yet, I don't know. Um, but if we bring up our next slide, you're going to see the story uh, of what has been happening. I believe this is uh, Shakura Danjuma. So you saw him on our, on our video earlier today. Now, Shakura was 13 years old when he was uh, in a village in Nigeria. And his story, it's, it's in the Jesus Freaks book, it's in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I just, I just want to share this story to you this morning. He says this, um, the grave is still empty. The village was attacked early in the morning, 6 a.m. The attackers came in to burn their homes and do their best to kill Christians, which they would manage to find. Hours after the attack, those who were trying to find the survivors came across Danjuma, laying in a pool of blood. 23 others were killed that morning. Danjuma had been attacked with a machete. They had attacked his eye, where it had been sliced open, and they had mutilated his body. He was in such a bad state that the villagers dug a grave, thinking that he was about to die. But the grave remains. Danjuma was restored to health. He recovered and is now a vital part of the community today. Yes, he bears the scars of the attack, his face and body showing the scars. But the first thing you see when you see him is not the scars. It's the radiance of his smile. The joy comes from the Lord, he says. Danjuma not only forgives his attackers, but he pities them for the condition of their hearts. I forgive them because they don't know what they are doing, he said. If they had love, they would not behave that way. The God who created us knows everything about us, so let's be faithful and let's be kind. The way I find myself today, God knows the reason I'm supposed to be. So I encourage you, embrace God and accept Jesus as personal Lord and Saviour. The words of a 13-year-old brother from Nigeria. I want to share the story also of Clarissa and Fanny from Indonesia. Uh, if you bring up the next slide. I'm sure that Australians uh, will remember this year the, the 20th um, anniversary of the, the Bali bombings of the Kuna nightclubs and so on. Uh, and, and so we have this understanding in our, our national consciousness at the moment about what's been happening in, in parts of Indonesia. In Surabaya in 2018, on, on an Easter Sunday morning, uh, a bomb was let off outside the front of the church as, as people were leaving. And this lady, Clarissa, sorry, Fanny, and her daughter, Clarissa, were injured in the bomb blast. And you can see there the pictures of of her scars from the burning, and her little daughter, who was also severely injured. Now, this attack, as I said, was, was designed to create the maximum amount of damage. And she has had severe burns, such that she couldn't bend her arms, couldn't bend her knees, uh, needed reconstructive surgery, many skin grafts. And we read about this kind of thing. And we say, well, God, we know your promises. That Jesus says in John 10, 
Verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And we can see this ongoing mission of a defeated foe. But the promise of Jesus is what? I have come that you will have life in all its fullness, life in all abundance. And one of the things that we can do is help restore the lives of our brothers and sisters. So that was taken in 2018, not long after the bomb had gone off. We'll bring up our next slide. And you'll see this is Fanny today. Her testimony. When people see her scars and she sees people staring at them, she says to God, how can I be used in this situation? And so she eagerly then responds to tell them about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of Christ, and that God is using this sister of ours to powerfully witness in the face of a defeated foe. So we are able to assist her through providing medical support, yes, but she is able to bless us with a testimony of the faithfulness of God in the face of a hostile regime. I'm going to run out of time very quickly this morning, I can tell. I want to share um, one more story, if I may. And, and this is a story um, that's coming out of China. Uh, it's the story of the Early Reign Covenant Church. And I think it's our next slide. Uh, it's the story of Pastor Wang Yi. So Pastor Wang Yi is a, is a pastor in the Early Reign Covenant Church in China. Uh, yes, he is a Christian rights lawyer, but he's also the founding pastor of, of a church. In December 2019, his church was raided and he was arrested for what was called uh, illegal business operations, i.e. running an unsanctioned church, an unsanctioned state church in China. And he was sentenced to nine years in a communist prison. Now, his faith remains strong in that prison, and I believe it will continue to do so. Uh, churches around Australia, indeed in Queensland, have been sending him letters of encouragement that we translate that for you. If you want to participate in that, you can do that through our Prisoner Alert website, and we can send the letter to him in, in Chinese, and he can go to him to remind him that we are praying for him, that we are actively remembering him as he is in prison. And I no doubt believe that he is continuing to faithfully witness in prison to those who have imprisoned him, because now his wife is under surveillance, uh, extreme surveillance, as is the whole church, and we understand that this is perhaps in reprisal to him for continuing to faithfully witness, just like Richard Wormbrand did in prison. So Pastor Wang Yi's wife um, has very limited freedom of movement. She is monitored every hour of every day, almost. Every time she leaves the house, security agents come. The CCP uh, come and take their kids to the school every day where they can be indoctrinated in, in the state religion. But yet the church is growing. And, and I want to share this, and this is the story, um, it was from our, our newsletter last month from October about this church and about this particular family. And I just want to share very briefly. Um, reflecting on their lives as Christians in China, Ruiting and her family said, we are grateful for this persecution because this persecution has turned out to be a blessing from God. It's changed our life. God has us here to share what is happening in China. Yes, we are sharing the evil side of communism. And I think it's a blessing to the Chinese church and the gospel is continuing to flourish more. Quang had said that facing persecution has helped him mature in his faith. Before this occurred, I felt lazy in my faith. Yet the persecution has made me feel that the future kingdom will come 
Indeed, the kingdom has come. Persecution has brought about a flourishing of my faith in God. The family have requested prayer for Pastor Wang Yi and for the own members of the early reign covenant church who continue to follow Christ under the government's eye. God wants us here to share this story with you, to share my experience with the English-speaking world. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. That despite a regime that seeks to suppress, we're seeing the church grow and flourish. We're seeing Christians faithfully witness and endure. And and so I, I implore you again, please come and grab a copy. Sign up for this newsletter so that you can stand with your church, be encouraged by these stories, and faithfully pray with us. Uh, to that end today, um, I'm happy if anyone wants to do that. Uh, I think my next slide, I've got a couple of QR codes. You can sign up online if you want to do that, and if you want to support us financially, you can do that. Um, please do come and see me after our time together this morning that we can uh, provide these resources to you. I, I don't have to drive them all the way back to Brisbane. I'd love to, to bless the church in that way. And if I might just take a moment to pray with the church this morning uh, into some of these stories and into some of these situations. Our gracious God, we thank you that in Christ we have the victory. We thank you that in Christ, not only have we been redeemed and restored, but we have the hope of life everlasting. And we thank you, Lord, for these stories from around the world of your church, yes, enduring opposition, but continuing to faithfully witness to the goodness of God, just as we are here today. And we ask, Lord God, for your continued blessing upon our brothers and sisters around the world. We pray for your continued blessing on the church in Nigeria, for those who are enduring opposition from the likes of Boko Haram. We thank you for the blessing of the smiles of persecuted Christians that are radiating the joy of the hope of the glory of God. We thank you for the church in Indonesia that is being strengthened and empowered by your word. And for those whose lives are being restored, that they continue to faithfully witness to you in that context. We pray for the church in China, for the early reign covenant church and and many, many others as they continue under the watchful eye of communism to share the gospel, to disciple and to witness in spite of opposition and to continue to do so with hope and joy. Father, we stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ today and we ask, Lord God, your blessing upon us as we do so. Lord, may we be encouraged by the the riches we have in the word of God and may we look to them, not in sympathy, but in empathy, in seeing our brother and sister in their situation and may we pray and continue to pray and continue to pray for them and with them as they continue to pray for us, that we might know what they know, the sufficiency of Christ alone and the goodness of God. Lord, that is the blessing that we all share. And so today, Father, we ask for your blessing. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue to strengthen us. And we pray, Lord God, that as we do so, that we will actively remember those who are in prison, those who are suffering, as we are all members of the one body of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Saviour. In his holy and precious name we do pray today. Amen. Amen.